we hope that you'll prayerfully consider how to be involved in all the activities we have going on here at the church. Let's begin our time of worship this morning in prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to gather here today to worship you and hear from your word. Lord, we're so thankful that you will fill this place with your presence and let us feel you in a real way as we worship you and as we hear from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll direct your attention to the baptistry as we have a baptism this morning. came forward and he uh, the Bible says that become a Christian old th- all things are passed away behold all things become Tell it to Jesus alone. Tell 
it to Jesus, tell it to Jesus, he is a friend that's well known. You know others, such a friend or brother, tell it to Jesus alone. I must tell Jesus all of my trials. I cannot bear these burdens alone. In my distress, He kindly will help me. I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, Jesus alone. I must tell Jesus all of my troubles, he is a kind, compassionate friend. If I but ask him, he will deliver, make up my troubles quickly and end. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, Jesus alone. Tempted and tried, I need a great Savior, one who can help my burdens to bear. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus, he all my cares and sorrows will share. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, Jesus alone. Oh, how the world to evil allures me. Oh, how my heart is tempted to sin. I must tell Jesus, and he will help me. Over the world, the victory to win. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, Jesus alone. Amen, and you may be seated. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul first thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God?
Would you stand once again as we continue our time of worship and song, Just a Closer Walk with Thee, followed by Precious Lord, Take My Hand.
Let us humbly go to the Lord and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for another wonderful day. Lord, the wonderful day to come and worship you and all the greatness and thanksgiving that you've given us, Lord. Lord, we come today and we come to give our tithes and offerings to give back to you what belongs to you, Lord, and a portion of it we want to give back. Lord, you've given us much. Lord, please be with us as we worship you today. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. simple instructions. <laughs> well, I said I miss y'all because I didn't come shake everybody's hand and, and I wanted to do that, so I'm psychically doing it with you right now. So, um, let me Before we get to the message, let me invite you tonight 
um, come. We've been studying the book of Nehemiah, and praise God for all of you that are coming, but this book has really taught us what our church is going through and uh, how we can hedge up some things and prepare our hearts, prepare ourselves for them. So please uh, come tonight. We're in, in Nehemiah chapter 7. I, I'm going to challenge you to read that chapter. No, don't. It is 60 verses of names. So, but, but we have a message that, that God has given to us for that. And Wednesday night in our, our how-to series, and we just finished our uh, one anothering one another, it, this is the blessing. We ran out of prayer journals two weeks in a row, printed more for the second week, and still ran out. So God is really moving in those, so I want you to come and, and be a part of it. And next Sunday, we're going to honor teachers now, this is what I've been told, because I'm asking you to call the church office and let us know that you're a teacher, whether it be in um, public school, private school, home school, anything, uh, Sunday school, all, all of it, every, every, any kind of aspect of teaching. And, and this is what people are telling me, oh, they're not going to do that because they don't want to come to the front. I'm not going to bring you to the front, promise. I am not going to bring, I'm not even going to have you stand up. Listen, your name's going to be on a prayer list. But you know who's going to know who that name is? The people who already know you. So don't worry about it. Just call. Let us know so that we can have a good, uh, good study of that. And then our 40, uh, the next Sunday after that, the 20th, we're going to kick off our 40 days of prayer. And uh, I'm really excited about that. But today, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. The title of the message is, Been There, Done That. Uh, I actually have a longer title, and Margaret said it won't fit, so I had, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she didn't tell me I couldn't put it in there. But this is the full title. Been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, wore it out, bought another one, and it's threadbare now. That's the full title. But yeah, you, feel, you felt that way before, haven't you? You felt that way, that, that uh, suddenly you're going through, and then somebody comes to you and says, I've been there, done that. That statement means that... Uh, it's conveying to that person that I've gone through what you're going through. I understand. Well, the good news today is our text is God telling us that through Jesus Christ, he has been there where you are. He's done that. He is telling us that he knows exactly what you're going through. It is good to know that we have a Savior who has been there. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 through 16. I'm going to invite you to stand with me in honor of God's word as I read these few verses. Chapter 4 of Hebrews, verse 14. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, and we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that you now open our eyes that we might behold wonderful truths out of your law, that we might take into our spirit and walk this week in the knowledge that you have been where we are. You've gone through what we have gone through, 
And you've come out victorious, and you can give us the victory. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Life, life is often confusing. I mean, we're hit from uh, different sides all at once. Doesn't that happen to you? It's not just one thing. It's 10,000 things that come against you in, in the matter of a day. All kinds of stuff hit us. It's like the guy who was moving 500 pounds of brick off the fifth uh, the roof of a five-story building. He, he put all the bricks into a big barrel. He tied a rope to that, put it over a pulley, took the rope down to the, to the ground, tied it off, went back up, took that barrel of bricks and hung it over the building, went back downstairs, grabbed hold of that rope real tight, cut it loose. He weighed about 150 pounds. I didn't tell you that, did I? The barrel weighed 500 pounds. And that thing jerked him up so fast he didn't, he wasn't even able to let go of the rope. And that 500 pound barrel of bricks started descending and that 150 pound body started ascending. He only slowed down about the, between the second and third floor as he came in contact with that barrel. He got to the top of that and uh, uh, of that, got his hand jammed into the pulley. About that same time, that barrel of bricks hit the ground and smashed open, and all the bricks came out. Now that 150-pound man started to descend because that barrel only weighed about 50 pounds at this pound, at this point, and his 150-pound body began to swiftly descend. And that descent was only slowed slightly when he, about the second or third floor, hit that cra crash barrel. Uh, uh, that, that was there, and then he finally landed in that pile of bricks. It was at that time that he completely lost his presence of mind, and he let go of the rope. And that, what was left of the barrel came crashing down on top of him. Now, that's a good um, vaudeville act. That's a good black and white movie part, you know. I could just see some of our, our old-time movie guys doing that. And it's funny. It's not funny when it happens to us in real life. When we're hit with a ton of bricks. Even if it's just 500 pounds of bricks. It's just not fun. And it comes to us in different ways. It, it could be a death in the family. It could be a, a bad report from the doctor. It could be a layoff at work. Might be a car accident. Let's just say that you're going through a divorce or, or cancer or layoff or one of those things, your first car wreck. Now, if you needed someone to talk to, who do you want to talk to about it? Do you want to talk to somebody who has no idea what you're going through? Or do you want to find someone that has been through what you've been through? See, a lot of times in counseling, a person will tell me about a problem, and I'll know another person who had that same problem, got the victory, and I'll put them together. That's what we need to do. When we come to our text this morning, we read that Jesus is telling us that no matter what we're going through, I have been there, I have done that. It's more than a trendy phrase. It's a comfort. It is Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, the Savior, God in the flesh, saying to you, I understand. Think about it just for a minute. Why do you think Jesus came to this world. Why did he come in the flesh? Do you think he was bored up in heaven? 
He wanted to do something new. Maybe he went for a walk, took a wrong turn at the Milky Way, found himself here at the, on earth. You think it was just a big mistake? No. He came for several reasons. First of all, he came to reveal God to us. He wanted us to know that we have a God who loves us, who cares for us. We have a God who wants to, wants to have a relationship with you. He came to this earth to pay for our sins so that we can have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But he also came to identify with us. And we, we forget that a lot of times. Jesus Christ came to identify with us. See, back in the Old Testament, God chose the tribe of Levi to be the priest of all the people. Now, all of the males of the tribe of Levi would have to become a priest for a period of time. And one of them would become the CEO. He would become the, the chief priest. Now, there were certain things that the chief priest would have to do during his time uh, in that role. First of all, he would present the people, represent the people before God. They, the, the priest would stand before God and he would give prayer. He would give sacrifices and uh, that would atone for the sin of the people. But he was also there to represent God before the people. They were to, he was there to assure them that God had heard their prayers, that God had forgiven their sin, and that they could now go on. He was there to offer sacrifice. This was a picture to them of the Messiah who would come and be their high priest. In fact, the book of Hebrews is teaching in this chapter that Jesus was superior over the priests of the, the tribe of Levi. So they were there to be a picture of the Messiah coming and being the supreme sacrifice to die for their sin. Well, the tribe of Levi was selected to come out of the Israelites to represent all of the tribes. They would be one of the people. Not a stranger, not a hired hand, one of them. So that they could identify with their struggles, with their hopes, with their past. Identify with their future. Then we come to the New Testament and we encounter the priests of the days of Jesus we find they're not doing their job. They did not identify with the people. They spent all of their time trying to distinguish themselves above and beyond the people to be better than all else. They dressed differently. They talked differently. They ate differently. They prayed differently. They were totally different, totally unrelated. They felt superior. And the people knew it. The people partly uh, re respected them, but mostly they resented them, hated them for it. They could not identify with the people in their weaknesses and their doubts and their questions. These priests became pious, separate, better, holier than thou. And when the people would come and bring a sacrifice, the priests were judgmental unmerciful, harsh. See, and, and Jesus had to come to teach them that is not who God is. The people would sense the aloofness of the priests and they hated to come. They hated to bring the sacrifices and the people felt alone, abandoned. 
They felt like no one understood them. So God sent his son. God sent Jesus in the flesh to be their high priest. The earthly priest had driven a wedge between God and man and made man feel far away from God, rejected by God, that God did not care for them or even understand them. So Jesus came to make them feel like God understood, that God cared, that God loved them. He came in the flesh. He became one of them. He came to share in their struggles, in their weaknesses, in their temptations, in their walk. Jesus came as a baby to grow up, to experience firsthand the struggle that the Israelite people were in. He, he came in the flesh so he could experience the weaknesses and temptations that come with the flesh. He came as a Jew to identify with the oppression and the rejection. He experienced hunger and pain, rejection and hatred, injustice, thirst, need, uh, desire, temptation, betrayal, ridicule, all of these things. He, he experienced love and hate. He did that so he could say, when you're tempted and you think you can't hold on, when you're angry and you feel like you deserve to be angry, or when you're hurting and you don't know where to go, what to do, when you're rejected by others and treated unfairly, when you're caught in a sea of doubt, he says, I've been there. I've done that. I understand. And best of all, he says, I can help. I've been there. I've done that. I have experienced all these things. Jesus experienced everything you've ever gone through and more, beloved, so much more. So he's able to say, I know what you're going through. So the next time the life makes you feel all alone, you can remember that your God and Savior, Jesus Christ, knows what you're going through. There are just two things that you can do when your rope has broken and you're lying there bleeding on a ton of bricks. First of all, you need to hold on. Our, our text says that Jesus came as a high priest, and so we are to hold fast our confession. There is no need in giving up our confession of faith just because we're going through a testing, a trial. So many people, because things weren't going right, have just turned their back on God. They've left. The Hebrew Christians, they, they're being tempted to give up their confession of faith because they were going through some serious persecution, a lot of trials. And they were leaving the faith. They were going back to the law. It was getting too much for them. God tells us to hold on. Hold on to what you know. Hold on to what you have been taught. Sometimes the only thing that you can do is hold on if you want to survive. Sometimes we just don't know what to hold on to. We try to hold on to someone else, or we, we try to hold on to something. When you're in a storm of life, there's only one thing you can tie yourself to, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our anchor in the storm. Tie yourself to Jesus because he has been through this. He knows 
Now notice it doesn't say just hold on and do nothing, but hold on to what you believe. I mean, we're not just sitting back and hoping that we're going to get enough energy, we're gonna get out of this trouble. We need to hold on to the word of God. We need to know his promises, what he has told us, and hold on to them. Now you may say God doesn't understand being young. God, God doesn't understand how unreasonable these other people are. God doesn't understand how strong the temptation is. Beloved, Jesus does. He was tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. Someone asked me just a few weeks ago, could Jesus have ever sinned because of this verse? He was tempted as we are. First of all, you have to understand temptation is not sin. Temptation is not sin. It's when we grab hold of that temptation and we, we follow through with it, that's when it becomes sin. But temptation is not sin. Jesus was tempted, but yet he did not sin. So I gave him this illustration. Can a rowboat, can a rowboat attack a battleship? Anybody want to answer that? Sure you can, right? Yeah. You can get in that rowboat and you can get those oars and get it going and ram that thing as much as you want. The guys up on that battleship are going to look down and go, what, what do you think he's doing? You see, Temptation is that rowboat. Jesus is that battleship. It, it didn't affect him. He could not have sinned because Jesus came yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus could not have sinned then. He cannot sin today. He will never sin in the future. That gives us confidence. That gives us hope. When we think that God doesn't understand peer pressure, we're wrong. He does understand it. He went through that. You, listen to me, you have not now never before nor ever in the future have gone through anything, any temptation, any attack, any mistreatment, anything that he does not understand that he hasn't experienced firsthand and that he hasn't won the victory over. When you think that the Bible doesn't have any application to your life, remember what our text says today. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He wrote the Bible out of his knowledge of our needs. It is where you will find the answer to everything you need. So when the wheels come off on your life, I can find strength and hope in the word of God. Jesus has been there. He understands. Now, the other thing that we can do is approach boldly. Approach confidently. Look at verse 16. It says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Imagine you're a pilot a big jumbo jet filled with people. You're coming into a landing. You get on the radio. You call to the tower. Nobody answers. You call again and again. No one answers. What do you do? Do you think you should just try to land? How do you approach that runway? Do you approach it boldly, confidently? Oh, I've got this. 
You don't, do you? You don't because you don't know that it's safe. You don't know how you'll be received. I mean, you might be coming in for a landing and there's a plane coming right at you taking off. You might circle around and come right in contact with another aircraft that's going to make the same approach that you are. There are three things that a pilot can do if they don't have contact with the tower. There are three things that you can do if you want to get right with God. First of all, there are people who run away. Uh, that pilot might divert, find another airport, go there, land safely, far away, but still they're all safe. When we run away from God, it's because we have a lot of confusion because of the sin. The sin hasn't allowed us to talk to God the way that we should be. As we stand in sin, the confusion is created. We're like that pilot. We'd like to approach, but we can't. We're afraid. We're not sure what will happen. I'm not sure how I'll be received. And many a pilot will do what they think best. They'll get out of the pattern. They'll go the opposite direction. So often when we have sin, we do the same thing. We run from God. We run from the one who loves us, the one who can help us. We flee from the one who understands us. And we continue to run, afraid to approach, too ashamed to approach. And we find ourselves so far away from God. Now, the other thing that we can do is we can go into what's called a holding pattern. You know, just don't change direction, just keep going in circles, going round and round and round and round and round. Keep the same attitude, keep the same speed, keep the same direction. Figure pretty soon it's going to be okay. Now that may work for pilots, but it's not going to work in your Christian life. Problem that is that if we just hold our pattern, if we just keep going around in circles, we're going to get more and more confused. And not only that, we're going to run out of fuel. We're not going to be able to do it on our own for very long. God wants us to do something that no pilot would ever do in that situation, and that is to approach boldly, confidently. We need to believe that he is in control. We need to believe that he loves you. We need to believe that he has paid the price, and he will receive you. He will help you. We need to believe that he will answer you. Are you afraid of your circumstances? Come boldly to the throne. You sorry for your sin? Come boldly to the throne. If you're hurting, come boldly, confidently to the throne. That's what you need. Don't worry about being rejected. You'll never be ridiculed or mocked or punished. Did you hear what the throne is called? It is a throne of grace. And what will you receive? You will receive grace and mercy. You will receive help in time of need. You go to court, man's court, and you're going to get what you deserve most likely. In God's court, you don't get um, mercy or grace. You get what's coming to you. In God's court, you receive that mercy. 
God will receive you. He'll wrap his arms around you. He'll give you his grace, his help, because he understands what you've been through. He knows exactly where you are. He knows where you're going. In man's court, you're afraid to offer any information. You know, the lawyer keeps telling you, don't say a word. Don't volunteer anything. Afraid you'll get an unfair verdict. In God's court, you can spill it all because you know that you're going to be treated fairly. Our God has been there. He's done that. For every one of us, our God has been there. Perhaps there's someone here today and you're carrying a tremendous burden. You haven't told anybody what's going on out of fear. And the weight of that guilt is just crushing your joy. You'd love to put it down. You'd love to throw it away, but you just can't. You're too afraid. Maybe you're someone here today and you're facing a terrible storm in your life. I mean, the sky is black. The waves of worry just keep crashing down on you. And your spirit keeps sinking, sinking. Perhaps someone here today is a slave to some temptation, some sin. You've tried, but you failed to overcome. You feel that there's no use in trying anymore because you're bound to it. I don't know your situation. I don't know your hurt. I don't know your need or your burden, your temptation. But I do know the one who does know. He's been there. He's done that. The one who has stood where you are today and the one who is victorious over what you're going through. I do know that you can approach him confidently, boldly, and he will receive you. I'm going to invite you today to come during our invitation. Maybe you're lost, you don't know Jesus, come and give your heart to, to Jesus like Rick and come and be baptized. Join the church. We'd love to have you as part of our, our family. And I want to invite our church members to come and pray. Praying for our church. We, we have, that's another exciting thing we've been going on in our church. Prayer meetings are going on all over the place, and it's wonderful. Every Tuesday, we meet at 4 o'clock in the chapel. We have prayer meetings in homes and things. And I'm, I'm inviting our church members to, to come on Sundays to this altar and pray for their church. Let's go to the Lord as we close. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have a God who cares. We have a God who knows exactly what we're going through. We have a God who loves us. And Lord, not only did you go through what we have gone through, you have gone through it victoriously. And you said you are the way, the truth, and the life. If we come to you, we'll have the victory in you. I pray as we have this invitation, Lord, we turn our hearts to you and that we would just come humbly in prayer and just worship you, O oh God. And if there is someone here today that is lost, bring them as they come, they will be saved. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.